keeps going to the rack. And so with the with the twenty second pick in the NBA draft. I don't know where these legs came from. But... That jump, that, that give, that jump. Hey, that, I think you'd be happy for that jump, that, that give. Let's go. Let's pick one nugget. Start call nine one one. All right. Welcome to episode six of the Hard Pick Mining Company. We've we've had a, we've had some tough rough goings and goings, but um, uh, there's four of us on the pod. We're missing out on Seber. Uh, we got Andrew back this week, uh, but uh, missing out on Seber. So a couple of things happened this week with the Nuggets. Uh, they played Milwaukee, Cleveland, and OKC. Uh, ended up the week two and one. Had a tough loss to Milwaukee. Uh, that was a pretty rough game. A blowout to Cleveland, uh, and then a tough game uh, that we pulled it out in the fourth corner uh, with uh, OKC to go up 2-0 on them for the season. Our two East Coast teams uh, I thought were interesting in terms of uh, the Milwaukee game and the Cleveland game, obviously opposite ends. Uh, Milwaukee at number two in the East and Cleveland uh, the 13th team in the East. Uh, completely blew out Cleveland. The bench got a lot of good time. We got to see some players we hadn't seen in a long time. Some guys got some minutes. It was a fun game. Uh, and the Milwaukee game was uh, kind of going back to prior games in this season, one where we played the first half well, and we were winning by about three in the uh, end of that first half and then got blown out in the second half. So it was kind of a up-down week. Uh, ended up, uh, at least in the positive, at a 2-1 and one, uh, this week, but obviously kind of for the team. Bush this week uh, that you thought uh, that, uh, was interesting for the team? Well, you guys know after the uh, Milwaukee game, I was uh, pretty low, you know, pretty depressed. <laughs> I was ready to trade the whole team. It, I was looking up trades for, you're going to be pretty low. So. <laughs> for, I was looking up trades for Murray and MPJ, sell everybody, keep Jokic, reboot. But, uh, I, you know, I told you guys it was going to be an emotional 2021 for me, and I'm uh I'm, I'm back on the high horse though this time. So two more wins, feeling better about the team. Um, I think my main takeaway from the three games is really that third game against Oklahoma City. We actually won a close game, and that really reminded me of kind of more last year than this year, right? Like last year we were that resilient team. We had a lot of games that we probably shouldn't have won that we did end up winning. And that Oklahoma City Thunder game this week really felt like that. I mean, it helped when they goaltend that three at the end of the third <laughs> quarter for no reason for no whatsoever. Reason. <laughs> one of the worst plays I think I've ever seen in an NBA game. Um, and that, you know, ended up being the difference, right? I think we won by two. So um, I, I was just happy to finally see us kind of come through, even if it's against a pretty shitty Oklahoma City Thunder team. Wait, but, we should have never been in that position to need that comeback. But I think the season and the team in general needed that comeback to prove it to themselves even if we just ignore that they should never have put themselves in that hole absolutely and you know i think it just going back to the bucks game it was kind of like everything that had gone wrong for the season you know poor bench play terrible third quarter terrible second halves in general that all really showed itself in uh that game and then we bounced back against cleveland it was everybody was raining threes uh it was our second best offensive game in terms of points per possession on the season and then you know we really had to kind of eke one out against the thunder ended up being our worst offensive um 
game of the season on a points per possession basis. So, like you said, Mike, up and down week for the Nuggets, but at least we ended up two and one. Yeah, I thought it's interesting to note uh, in the <laughs> in the Milwaukee game, just looking at Jokic himself. You know, in the first half, he was plus eight, twelve points, um, played a little over eighteen minutes. Uh, you know, some assists, some rebounds. He, he was having a really good game. Then you go in the second half. He's minus 10, uh, had 23 points, so was still scoring, but the defense was clearly not there, and the Bucks were kind of taking over on us. You go over to the Oklahoma City Thunder game, and that game kind of later in the week, every single player was negative in the plus-minus category. Uh, Jokic still was playing well, as he usually is. Um, Murray was kind of a, a you know, negative three, seven points, not doing anything too great. Now, fast flash forward to the second half, and Jokic is plus eight, six points, not doing a ton, got some assists, got some rebounds. Um, Murray, plus 19 and 15 points. Um, and so it, it's kind of interesting to see how we had the reverse in those two games to start the week and to then to the end of the week in terms of the two halves. And it seems like they kind of figured something out there in the second half of that OKC game. I, I think you guys are missing the real storyline of the last three games, at least, which is Millisap. Millisap has looked more athletic, moved a little bit faster, and actually not only has scored at least double digits in all three of those games, but like he really handled Antetokounmpo like incredibly well, which is probably one of the toughest yep. matchups in the league. He played incredible, you know, like handed uh, Cleveland pretty easily, but I think you know he had over twenty points for that game. He played great uh, last game as well, and so I think he was kind of the surprise for me, where I was like, wow. I don't know where these legs came from, but I hope they can sustain for the rest of the season. Uh, I had that same thought of we there's kind of this underlying current of this this season is going to be won or lost on how well MPJ comes into his own. I think is kind of a, a storyline, and for the last couple of days, I I've changed that tune a little bit to think I I think it's the same argument can be made for this season can be won or lost for how well Millsap figures out what he's going to be and he has to do that this year of his kind of transition into the the older leader um that can still win games and can still dig around into his bag of tricks and like i didn't know that he had the athleticism to keep up with Giannis, and he absolutely did if he can bring that consistency I think that would be huge, right? I think this yeah. season has been marked by inconsistencies across the board, really outside of Jokic, maybe Monte. Like, we haven't really been able to count on anybody. So if we could just get stability, right, from Millsap, just know what we're going to get every single game, right? I think that goes a long ways towards what you're saying, Rex. Like, he could be a big piece as long as, you know, if he could just, you know, find exactly his groove and, like, where he fits this season. Yeah, I, I love that. That OKC game, um, he really, I mean, he, he helped us out through that. And to your point, Andrew, in, in the Bucks game as well, I mean, he, he's a big part of, of what we're going to do this year. Um, I had never actually seen uh, a full Giannis game. We just, we don't get a lot of exposure to it. And I've only heard, like, seen the highlights, which are over the top regularly. Uh, I... I was really surprised at him as a player. I thought he was going to be more imposing than he was. I did not know that he was that terrible of a free throw shooter. 
<laughs> I could just, I, he's got multiple MVPs. I was not as impressed as I thought I was going to be. That was a pretty terrible game for him. Yeah. Uh, well, on the on the other end of things, uh, I thought the Cavs game, just in general, was kind of a fun game. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Cavs are kind of a weird team. They can show up uh, some nights. I mean, they beat the Nets the other night. Um, they, they can actually be a very, very good team. Uh, but they're, they're streaky. They're young. They're not going to do anything. Um, they're kind of bottom of the, the East. But in terms of the Nuggets, I thought it was fun to see the young guys get out there and really have a good fun, uh, second half and half out a ton of minutes. Um, you know, Monte was out there. You know, we got some good rest for the uh, for the star starters there. Got to see RJ Hampton, got to see Zeke. Um, Jamichael Green was out there for a while. Faku got some minutes, but he 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 looked a little rough, honestly. He looked a little um, a little a little tough. I, I just don't think he had a, he had a great game in him there. But it was good fun uh, to see the bench guys. Uh, anyone in particular that you guys saw in that game that it was at least fun to see them? I think that we have a real fundamental problem within the Nuggets, and it's not a lot of athleticism, right? Like you removed Jeremy Grant last year, right, who's easily our most athletic guy. That's easy to say. But you could almost take out Barton going from a last-year athletic individual to this, his injury, having very little athleticism. So outside of RJ Hampton and Zeke, um, who are our rookies and Malone doesn't like to play, we have literally not one athletic guy on our team. And when I think athleticism, I think of quick, like vertical horizontal movement, guys that can jump and kind of like move and body people up. So we have a lot of like very heady basketball players, but they're a little bit more upright and they just don't move and flow as quick, which is why like it works through Jokic to be methodical, but it is sometimes athleticism is free throws. And in that OKC game, we shot 10 total free throws. 10. I believe we had zero in the first half, which I've never seen. Right. You were so keeping it goes, in the text chain. <laughs> like, I yeah. Had zero at half. Right? And so it's like, you know, it's very tough to win games where you're not making those refs um, have to make tough calls. So I think that's one of the biggest, like, kind of underlying thing is, like, Malone needs to loosen up a little bit, I think, on both Hampton and Zeke so that way they can get some minutes and put some pressure on the defense because it's great to be like a nice flowing shooting team and I think that'll be okay in the playoffs but like we also need some positioning and we're just not getting there um kind of in the flow that's currently happening RJ really stands out yeah to your point Andrew when he's out there he just looks you know he's playing faster He's flying around, getting out the shooters, oh, you know, getting dunk. out on the break. Oh, dunk, yeah. dunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I totally agree. Like, even, you know, a guy like Plumley, right, who was never exactly one of our favorites, at least Plumley was a pretty athletic big. And um, we're, we're missing that and throwing Grant. So I totally agree with you. We are probably one of the least athletic teams, I bet, in the entire NBA, if you kind of just match us up in terms of just raw athleticism. Um and I, that's why I'm, I'm hopeful that RJ keeps getting a little bit more run because he does at least bring, like, a change of speed element that uh, we're, we're really missing. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the bench does here uh, and how they kind of come to come to be. We have obviously got a lot of young guys. That it's going to be tough for them to get some time in the Malone regime, uh, but hopefully – He's willing to get some of those guys out. Which is why the Cleveland game and what the OKC game should have been is time for them to get more minutes. We're, hey, we're we're up 20. 
let's get let them stretch the legs a little bit and get a little bit more confidence, which is why it's so frustrating when they are down the whole AKC game in the game that we should we should have you know, run away with it. Well, RJ Hampton had 19 minutes, so he was. I mean, that's yeah. quality minutes. Zeke though only had six. I do love that every time like Hampton is on the court, he's the fastest guy on the court. And he's got a great body for it. Normally you see guys who are just that fast be like 5'10", 5'11", and they're going to call themselves 6'1". I mean, RJ Hampton is <laughs> like, he's 6'4", 176, just like me. And uh, <laughs> he flies up and down the court. He reminds me of you, actually, a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. you. <laughs> Dashing good looks at 19 years old. Well, what, what could have been? Hey, Rex, do you think Faku regrets coming new, over to the Nuggets this season, oh. given how he's played this year, oh, the number of minutes? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I'm. It's such a tough question because he, he clearly is so determined to make this mm-hmm. jump, and he, he's not throwing in the towel. He's not, and he's not going to say that he regrets it. But he... I think he's a little confused and a little lost into how he hasn't fit in yet and what he needs to do. So he he will keep trying other things. I don't think that things he's going to try are going to work. I, I think he needs to go back to his core of facilitating. Um, but he, I think he's put himself in this position where he knows that he is expected to be the facilitator and he knows he can hit these ridiculous passes. So he's making every ridiculous pass opportunity that he can, uh, trying to prove that that's what his bread and butter is when we don't, we don't need that. We, we need the crafty veteran to be able to understand the pace and understand a flow, not just thread a needle. And I don't know if he's going to really grasp that before he moves on to the next thing. I'm wondering if he's going to fall out of the rotation even more once we get Harris and Dozier back, just given the way RJ's played. Yeah. You know, I I just think it makes more sense to have him on the court than Faku most of the time. Right. Um, I'll be really curious to see. As an organization, when you say, yeah, look, if, if these aren't doesn't put us in a substantially different position to win, we would rather have the young guys get the minutes and keep improving because every time they're out there, they keep showing more and more and they're clearly growing where Faku's, I mean, he's how old is he? He's, he's been 20 years. Oh, Oh, he's younger than I thought he was, but I mean, he's the player of the decade in this, like the Spain league, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So he he doesn't have the future that a 22-year-old does. So I I really, really hope that he finds his place and he does settle down. I'm losing some optimism. Andrew, I I think think you'd be happy if you never saw him on the court again, wouldn't you? I would. I just don't like players that, like, will be okay in the regular season and they're going to be completely irrelevant in the playoffs. Like, and that's kind of my point from a, a few weeks ago is like the Nuggets have transitioned into that point and we have legitimate all-stars. They're like, this is consistently and should be a playoff team. So who's going to be good in a half-court set and who can actually play defense in some two-way ball or be so good offensively that like they can offset their defensive lapses, a.k.a. MPJ. So like Faku is a guy that can come in in the playoffs, pick up a whole bunch of quick fouls and then go sit back on the bench and that just doesn't help. Flow. 
Well, well, but you also got to think it's a long season. You got to get a guy in there who's going to eat up some minutes um, for these guys. He's a guy who would be decent to, you know, scarp up, you know, three to five minutes a game. But right now, I think he's having a struggle transitioning from the European game to the NBA game. Uh, you see him pick up a lot of fouls, a lot mm-hmm. of ticky tack fouls, a lot of fouls he shouldn't. Uh, right, a lot getting. of reach ins. Yep, yep, a lot of things like that. And I mean, I think he's also used to being the guy uh, to a certain degree, um, or at least one of the top guys on his team. He's obviously not. He's he's older. He's trying to make that transition, and uh, it's it's tough. I'm fine with him. Um, I wish him the best of luck. I just don't think it's going to be on this team long term. Yeah. I mean, if if something were to happen to Jamal and Monty, and they're both down for two weeks, um, and he has a chance to be the guy and run the point, I, I have no doubt that he could figure it out and he, if he had the time to really do it. I think he... Above, there's a bunch of things that are being messed up by the lack of practice for the team, but I think he um, is missing out the most. And that's the thing he's missing out the most of this move to just to be in the NBA period is not having full arenas, not getting the experience, uh, not getting hyped up, but not getting practice with these guys. Where the ideally, the, I mean, the level of athleticism should be much higher than what he's used to. I don't agree. You don't agree? <laughs> no, I see Eric not in his head. But he already came in as like one of the smartest players. Yes, it's like from a European league. But he's an incredibly smart player. If you gave him 30 minutes, he's getting at least 10 assists a game. Practice doesn't matter to him. He knows where to find the guys, how to wait his passes. The problem is he's short. He's not good with either a mid-range shot or really from the outside unless he's wide open. And we have Jokic as a center who's one of the best passing big men. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he could come in and step in, but he just doesn't have a role in this game. And so it's not about practice. It's about, like, a lack of kind of fit within the team. I'm sure he could go to a lot of other teams that just need a really good passing guard. And he does it, but he like presses really hard and gets those fouls, I think, because he knows he's only going to be in for about 10 minutes a game or so. Um, but I think he knows he could put him in any single like intramural to the nets <laughs> right now, and he would know how to kind of fit within that team and make those passes. So I don't think like practice is the issue. I just think it's a lack of he just doesn't fit with this team because what we really need is some second and third scores, and he's another passer on an already passive team. I think with a little more practice, he would understand how to, uh, you know, play without the ball because he's probably never not had the ball his entire career. But what I was really uh, agreeing with Rex on was he seems like the exact type of player that feeds off the crowd and not having crowds, I bet, does impact him mentally and kind of emotionally because I think he feeds off of that. I think he's like the definition of that underdog who Mm -hmm. when he does something, the crowd, you know, would strongly react. We remember the Earl Boykins days, right? Like anytime a little guy does something on a basketball court, the crowd goes crazy. And that would be (laughs) Faku if there were people in ball arena. So, you know, he's under contract for two years. So we're going to see him next year and hopefully we're all, you know, going to all the games next year because I am actually very excited to see what, he looks like if he has a role i mean um with a crowd but with this team the way it's constructed going back to your point andrew on the playoffs he's not in the eight man rotation no. and i don't think he will be next year either no but for 
uh, we we joked about having the segment of like the 100 versus the 300 level of um, Juancho was such such a fan favorite at the 300 level that it was it was so much fun to to get the back and forth of him and he wasn't getting a lot of minutes and he wasn't a big contributor even less so than what Faku is now uh, I think with a full arena when he hits some of those highlight kind of passes he's not gonna hit them all but he will he will hit a lot of memorable plays I think he will very quickly become a fan favorite and generate a lot of momentum for the team and for fandom that is is a an important part of the game that we just don't have right now. Well, uh, that was a lot of time dedicated to a guy who's getting 11 minutes per game. <laughs> um, but this I think we all, we, podcast. we all we all like a guy like that. It's always fun to uh, kind of talk about what he could be and what he is. Uh, I, I think that's what we're really talking about here. So interesting week for the Nuggets. Uh, up down again. Uh, ended on a on a high note. Uh, with the win against OKC, started off uh, on a low note with a loss to Milwaukee. So we're going to take a a quick commercial break here to hear from our presenting sponsor, the Abrams Momentum Group. Hey, this is Patrick making the pitch for Abrams Momentum Group. Andrew hates self-promotion, but he and his team really are the go-to source for all things real estate in the front range. They've helped every one of the Denver Five with buying our homes, and they really do make what can be a terrifying experience less so. They're sharp, they're aggressive, and they really do have your back. If you're looking to navigate the hellscape that is the Denver housing market right now, give them a call. Track them down at realtorswithacause.com or better yet, drop an email to hardpickminingcompany at gmail.com and we'll connect you. Now back to the show. All right. Well, that's uh, our presenting sponsor, the Abrams Menem Group. Um, Go reach out to them if you're looking to buy a home or sell a home in the Denver market. So... That was our recap of the week here um, for uh, uh, the Nuggets. Uh, we're going to push it over to our favorite segment, uh, your favorite segment, uh, Bush in the Woods. Is this a favorite segment? So, it's mine. It's the only Is consistent it? segment. <laughs> Fine. All right, guys. Get ready. Maybe we could come up with some uh, theme music. Yeah. Rex. No, let's let's do it. It's maybe some uh, some like smooth blues guitar. Ooh. Yeah, let's let's, let's go. Nice. Let's pick one nugget and complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> Today, this week, it's d- Will Barton. Will the thrill. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to throw so many stats at you. You're going to fall asleep during the podcast. But um, I think it's fair to say that Will Barton has been one of the uh, more frustrating nuggets of the season and one that seems to be thrown into trades uh, by fans all the time, and kind of people think they're gonna Nuggets gonna move on. Right, he's on the um, list of people we wouldn't miss. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so you know, and if you look at it, it is rough. He's not having a great season, and so basically, now I went down the the deep dark advanced stat hole and pulled a bunch of different stats that showed you know how much of a struggle this season has been for him. And I know we talked about thing that we talked about is his lack of explosiveness, you know, coming back from that energy. I'm sorry, from that injury. And, you know, I think there's some interesting stats around uh, getting fouled and rebounding that really show that. But I'm an optimist, so I'm going to end the Will Barton segment talking about his because that is surprisingly good. So kind of under the not surprising, if you've been watching every game, like uh, uh, his turnovers are way up, right? It's his worst season 
uh, in terms of uh, the percent of uh, possessions that end in a turnover since he uh, since his very first season with the Nuggets. His two-point shooting percentage is the worst since he became a Nugget, so he's really struggling uh, shooting um, inside the arc. And what's interesting is his rim, his shots at the rim, and his kind of what they call their like short two-pointers are about the same from the last couple of years, but it's his long mid-range game that is way down from last what, year. Last what year. is the percentage? So last year he was making from um, the long mid-range like 52% of his shots, which is really good. This year it's dropped all the way down to 38%. That's not if good. If you look overall from his two-point shot, it's down to uh, just under 46%. So that's pretty inefficient basketball, right? If you think of like Daryl Morey, rocket ball, um, you don't want to take mid-range uh, jump shots. And basically he's taking a lot of them right now and missing them. So – one area, though, that you know, is really very different is his rebounding. So I never really appreciated this, but he was actually a pretty elite defensive rebounder if you look at uh, the stats in his entire career. He's usually somewhere in that 90th percentile or above in terms of wing rebounding. So he gets a, he, he usually would get a lot more rebounds um, than you would maybe think from a wing player. This year, it's really dropped off. So last year, or kind of throughout his whole career, about 13 to 15% of the rebounds on the defensive end he would get. This year, it's only uh, he's only grabbing about 10.9% of them, which drops him all the way down to the 48th percentile. So I think that really speaks to his explosiveness because, you know, like, uh, Mike, we've been talking about it. You can really tell he's not playing the same style as he has in years past. Yeah, it's been really disappointing, actually, to see him lately. Uh, he, he really has transitioned into a different player. Uh, I think your point about the, the rebounds is, is just evidence of that itself. He's not, he's not mixing it up in there. Um, he has transitioned a little bit more to kind of a, uh, a facilitator to a certain degree. His assists have been up this year. Um, his points have stayed about the same, but he definitely doesn't have that, that jump, that, that give that we would like to see. So I think another stat that really shows that is he's just not getting fouled like he was in the past. So um, he's at his lowest uh, numbers for his career in terms of how many possessions or how many shots that he takes that end with a shooting foul. Um, so he's not able to, I think, get that extra half step from guys and then, you know, get to the get to the basket or just get them off balance so then they foul him. He's just not getting that. And his and one percentage is down – um, from the last three seasons, he was a pretty good uh, wing at go- getting to the rim and getting and one. So he was somewhere in the like 70th, 75th percentile for all wings. This year, it's dropped all the way down to 57th percentile. So, it, what are the the attempts? Like, is is he still taking them, and he's just going making the drive, and instead of getting the layup in an and one, he's just getting blocked, or he's just kicking out? Yeah, his attempts are like – so how they measure it is like a frequency of his shots, and they're all about the same. So he's taking about as many. He's just not finishing them like he was in years past, mm-hmm. which I think just totally validates what we're seeing, right? Um, and I thought the and one one was pretty interesting because I just – kind of qualitatively remembering some big plays over the last couple of years. It's been a Will Barton drive to the hoop, get fouled and finish. Um, we saw that a lot, you know, his cutting to the, you know, taking guys off the dribble or running pick and roll with Jokic this year, he's getting to the hoop and he's not 
getting fouled and he's not making them at the same rate that he was in years past. So, all right, but so, let's not end all negative because, you know, we want to be optimists here. <laughs> so, last way too much detail on Will Barton's statistical season is his the silver lining of the year is his three-point shooting. And I think that if, you know, Barton can just really decide, okay, I'm going to be locked down defender as best as I can and then, you know, a knockdown three-point um, you know, kind of a th- your three and D guy, he could go a long way, much more efficient, efficient year. And maybe we want to all be trying to. So, so, um, he's been just on fire from the corner threes. He's fi- shooting 59% from the corner threes this year. Wow. Overall, he's at 41%, um, from the three point line, which is, you know, stellar, right? You always want to be yeah. 40% or better. That's great for guys that take a lot of shots. He's basically third on the team. So MPJ and green, are slightly ahead of him in terms of three-point um, percentage, but he's right there with him, which surprised me honestly. Because I, you know, when I'm watching a game and MPJ or Green is shooting a three, I am much more confident than when Will Barton is. But he's right there statistically. Um, but the catch is he needs to take a lot more of them, right? So Green and MPJ, Green's taken 50% of his shots are three. Uh, MPJ's 48% of his shots are three. Will Barton. 37% of his shots are three. So I think that goes back to, you know, he's trying to get to the rim. He's trying to take those long, you know, run pick and rolls, take his 15-footer. And that part of his game is just not working at all. But his three-point shot is working. So quit forcing it, take more threes, be like Green and MPJ, and I think we'd all be a lot happier. <laughs> so encouraged on the – he's got that upside and we've seen him kind of ebb and flow ever since he was traded to us that like his mid range was good for a while. And then it kind of fell off. Now he's got this injury and he hasn't quite like connected his brain and body yet. But I, I think one, he will recover and his body will get not to where it was, but maybe a little bit better at the same time, his mind will kind of realize what his body can actually do. So, I mean, I like his potential and I have said this before, but I actually think he's a good one-on-one defender and a better weak side helper than Gary Harris. So if you could transition him to the two guard, he finally has that length where we're a little bit bigger um, in our front court. Well, one of well, our best um, on-off lineups, Andrew, is when he's at the two, MPJ's at the three, Millsap's at the four. Like, we're outscoring teams by, like, 19 points per 100 possessions. Like, we're just blasting teams. So I think that would be, you know, an interesting lineup if we could run with it more is just um, <clears throat> seeing him at the two where he's – better sized i think at the three he feels a little undersized um still i mean that's the downfall of the whole nuggets roster right is we don't have anybody to guard those big wings but Mm -hmm. um i i agree with you i think seeing him more at the two would be uh really beneficial so interesting are you you moving him onto or off of the would be willing to trade him Oh, I'm definitely still willing to trade him. Okay. Um, but I am encouraged by his three-point shooting numbers, right? Like that is – if he can keep that up and he quits – honestly, I kind of just feel like he's forcing it on the offensive end a lot. That's why he's, you know, more turnovers. He's trying to get to the rim doing things that he's just not excelling at right now. So if he just, you know, calm down a little bit, spot up in the corners, let Jokic find him, um, and just keep drilling that corner three at a – 
blistering pace, then I think he can make a lot of sense for the Nuggets. But I think Will the Thrill still thinks that he's the guy that, you know, should be getting to the rim and creating for others. And I'm not sure if he's mentally there to just play this kind of, um, you know, more of a third, fourth scorer kind of role that I think he could really thrive at. I, do you think he's ready? Do you think he could be ready to retire the thrill and be Will the corner three Barton? I, I don't I think don't. he does. I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't know anything about him really. Like, <laughs> I think everyone loves him as a teammate. They always talk about him. So maybe if maybe if the coaching staff hey, came to him and was like, hey, man, you're – destroying teams when you're doing you know x y and z here quit doing the other part but i think it's just you know he's only 30 years old so i think he still thinks of himself as that kind of elite athlete well, even he, though i think he's over the hill in that sense he also well, knows that like payday is coming soon right and so true. like before the season started he was like i am not a bench player i'm a starter he took that role actually better than i think most guys in the nba would so i was surprised that he actually did it like graciously um but i think i mean he wants to get paid he knows that window is closing so it's kind of now or never um and it's it's got to be tough i mean that's that should be the argument for he's got to get his efficiency numbers up and he's got to get his scoring up and it means not being stubborn with the mid-range two that he's not hitting I think there's one part of his game that has been most frustrating this year is it seems like his handle is off. Like, and I think that shows in that turnover number. Like even this last week, right? He had multiple times when he's just kind of like all of a sudden lost the ball in a way. What did you right, do? Finish, finish whatever that point was finish and then we're moving on. <laughs> My point was I think if there's one part of his game that you could really focus on would just be reducing his turnovers, right? Because those live ball turnovers kill us. Murray's had a bunch of them too. If he keeps going to the rack and missing whatever, as long as he just reduces his turnovers, I think that would be, you know, hugely beneficial. Hugely. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, you know, we all we all hit it when we turn 30. It's uh, tough to transition into a different part of your game, different part of your life. Uh, the body doesn't quite do what it wants to do, but you still think you you got it in your mind. So <laughs> I think uh, Oh no, we're be- we're all still going to dunk. There's no question here. <laughs> one day. One, one day. day. Well, that was a fun uh, bush in the woods, uh, breaking down uh, the game for Will Barton here uh, as we hit the quarter point of the Nuggets NBA season. So this is usually the part where we've got uh, kind of a moving segment uh, where we run through different things. Uh, this time, uh, Bush gave us a good idea. Uh, uh, we saw some fun uh, antics in the Cleveland game, as we talked about. So we thought we'd have a little bit of a battle of the rookies. Uh, RJ Hampton versus Zeke Naji. Uh, the two guys uh, saw a number of minutes the last couple of games. Uh, RJ's actually uh, made it somewhat into the lineup. Uh, Zeke's gotten mostly garbage time minutes uh, at this point in time in the season. Uh, Andrew, I feel like uh, you've got uh, a strong <laughs> opinion uh, on one of these guys. Andrew has so been I- pro-Zeke. Uh, long before he ever saw anything. <laughs> so with the, with the 22nd pick in the NBA draft, uh, the Nuggets grabbed uh, Zeke. So, Andrew, how are you feeling about him? I never have a uh, strong opinion about anything, if you can't tell. Um, first off, I actually really like both of the guys, right? But I thought that Zeke came in as a guy that was NBA ready and RJ would take more time to develop. 
Um, and I think maybe it's the team needs that we needed someone athletic a little bit more, but right. Like Hartenstein, I thought it was like a good 10 minute grinder to come in and has since done nothing but ride the bench. Don't know quite what happened to him between him and Malone, but obviously like not much of an offensive threat and kind of 50, 50 on the defensive end. Zeke is deceptively athletic. He's a big guy. He's kind of a power forward center hybrid and he's a perfect like mid range jump shot guy. And he's actually drained some threes when he goes into. So even if he's going in and getting those scrub minutes, He's still making his shots from three-point land, which means when he's playing with Jokic, let's say, he'll still be wide open and have those opportunities for those mid-range jump shots and maybe even clear out a little bit so Jokic can post up a little bit more. So, I mean, I think both guys are solid, but we need a guy that can help on the weak side with Jokic, who's actually, I think, like turned into a very solid defender. He'll never be like a great defender, but he he doesn't let his guys just go by. He helps out. Um, he's just not going to be obviously the quickest, and you need a quick guy. Millsap's not going to be that. Green isn't going to be that, so I don't know why Zeke hasn't been given more of a shot. Well, he, why? You got you got to have a theory. It's got to be a hunch. Well, why hasn't he been getting the minutes? I honestly have no idea. And you guys know me. I love my theories and my like different ideas, but <laughs> on. I did just he, like, did he sleep with somebody? <clears throat> did he, was he like throwing around some slurs in the locker room? Why, why is he not getting any, anything? He seems like a nice guy. I think he's not getting the minutes because Malone doesn't do well with a big bench. And we are like realistically for skill wise, he's not as skillful, let's say as a Faku, right? Like when we're talking about two rookies, even if their age difference is there. So we have so many guards that the Malone keeps focusing on those small ball lineups. And how can I kind of create these like different diverse lineups? I mean, we have Gary Harris and uh, Dozier out. And so instead it's just like next guard up. So it's not next man up or who kind of fits with the more traditional lineup. And I think that's honestly been the issue with the season is we didn't start off well at the season because we didn't have enough big men that were solid playing, which was green, right? He came in, we've been doing better since, but now as injuries continue to happen, instead of Malone saying, hey, we need to be bigger. I think he's thinking, hey, we need like more cohesion or faster. So that's why he's not giving Zeke the chance. And I think that's what's hurting us. Do you think it's going to change? Do you think he's going to get his minutes? I I think at some point he's got to keep trying because if we keep skating right around 500 throughout the season, then like something's got to give. Um, and, you know, it's a long season. COVID is happening left and right. And so I think like, again, we've seen it time and time again that Malone has almost been bailed out by injuries and weird circumstances. And I think that this is a perfect season for weird circumstances to occur and Zeke to get some playing time to show that he could actually be a good fit, not just like in the rotation, but I even think with the starters here and there, maybe not end of the game starters, but a little bit in the beginning. Well, and I kind of wonder if he gets in his head sometimes too. Uh, I found this quote from one of the Arizona assistants when he was playing there that said, how Zeke approaches the piano and his practice is very similar to basketball. Zeke's personality is very much a perfectionist, which comes from his playing the piano. His dad told me that before he got here. So it's it's interesting that um, you know he's probably trying to make that transition from the college game to the NBA game, and what Malone is seeing out there um, is him kind of getting in his head a little bit, uh, trying to perfect everything, trying to be the best he can at everything, but uh, it's not quite transitioning because he doesn't quite have the practice that you would normally have, you know. What, like he's, he's given him a pep talk of through like what his footwork is supposed to be, and he's just a half step slow. 
And and you also don't get to see that as much. Um, you know, normally you'd get to have a lot more pl- practice time, a lot more time um, off the court. And it seems like in the COVID world, uh, the NBA has been really limiting that. And so somebody like him, who uh, was a good player, a very athletic player, um, a guy who could finish at the rim, a guy who was a good rebounder, um, could make free throws, uh, but didn't have quite the game that's that was ready to transition to the NBA, still a little bit raw. Um, he doesn't get as much of that practice time that's going to allow him um, to get into the games. And so when he gets these garbage time minutes, that's his time to shine. That's his time to work on his craft. And I don't think that he's had that otherwise. All right. Who's, who's got RJ Hampton? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm definitely pro RJ. I mean, we're, we're pro both both of them i don't have anything nearly as thoughtful as what andrew had put together i i love i love the athleticism i i was not ready for the dunk that he threw down uh the other night that was so much fun and something i didn't know that i missed as bad as i did that we i mean it it had been since jamal's dunk what was it against boston last year that that was like a true poster dunk that he got called for a bullshit foul but uh but it had been that that long since the nuggets really had that kind of a poster dunk moment and it was so much fun that it came from rj he's super athletic and is super excited to be out there that's the one knock that i have against zeke is that I haven't seen the enthusiasm to actually be on the court yet. And I mean, reading way too much into it. And this is what I, I said over the text the other night is that I don't, I don't see the energy and the appreciation for the minutes when he does get them to the extent that I would, if I was an assistant coach trying to make a suggestion of who's in there for the garbage time or who should get more, it's hard to, it's hard to say, no, he's putting in the work. He, he has earned it. Um, and I don't know what, what kind of opportunities they have to really earn those minutes. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an interesting guy for me because he's clearly got all the athletic tools. He's very explosive. He's got a lot of speed. Um, he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, I think the one drawback right now that I see is his, his shot. Uh, it doesn't seem to be quite there. Um, he seems to have the handles. He seems to be able to finish at the rim, uh, but he doesn't really have a great um, three-point shot. His mid-range, he's either not confident in right now or not taking the shot. Uh, so he definitely needs to improve in those areas to really be a formidable scorer in the NBA. But otherwise, he's got a lot of upside. I think in terms of the two guys, uh, Hampton versus uh, Zeke, RJ Hampton's definitely got the bigger upside to me. Um, he could definitely turn into even that Barton type of player that we were just talking about previously um, with a little bit more explosiveness, uh, potentially. He's got all the athleticism to potentially do that. That he could be the Barton that we had at the start of last season? The one that Will thinks still exists and that doesn't? Right, which is something that I think we actually do need right now. I mean, we need a bench that can can carry us through games, um, and Jokic doesn't, you know play the sub big minutes that he has been playing because we need to save them for for the playoffs um, at the end of the day and someone like Hampton needs to be able to come in and, and pick that you know 10 to 12 minute uh, range and be able to actually score be productive keep the game going and then hand it over to the starters 
Uh, I don't really project him to be uh, much more than that in the NBA. I think he's he is Will Barton in my mind. Um, if we're going to compare him to other players, uh, you know, five thirty eight does this thing called their you know player projections, and one of the interesting players that uh, they compare him to is Dennis Schroeder and Tony Parker. Um, and those are kind of interesting players. Uh, Tony Parker, obviously, I don't think that that's sort of a reality uh, in terms of who he is. Um, he does have that interesting Eurostep um, type of play that Tony Parker has. But Schroeder actually was more interesting to me um, because Schroeder seems like a, a solid comparison to him, obviously on a shorter size, uh, but in terms of being that kind of third, fourth, fifth type guy on a team that can be very productive, very good, you know, six-man type of player off the bench. I'd take that. If that's what he turned into, sure. I mean, I I think you're you're short selling Zeke uh, a little bit on what his future could be uh, on upside, and I think he's got a huge upside. It's it's a a smaller, it's a much narrower thing to hit, but he he could have the athleticism and the the gifts to do all of it, which is why they drafted him so high. but that's no. I I'm still Team RJ. Quiet. One thing about you know, um, one thing about Zeke that Rex brought up that I think is really valid is that kind of want to that. Does he have that drive? And I think what we're seeing so far, and it's obviously super small sample size, is his rebounding is really bad. And in that one game where he got against Cleveland, where he got almost 19 minutes, he had one rebound the entire time. So is he going to be a big man that spaces the floor and can't get any rebounds? That's one, I think, pretty plausible outcome for him. I think, you know, obviously he's super young and there's a lot that can be learned there. But he doesn't seem to have that nose for the ball that the way the RJ does because, you know, RJ's averaging, you know, four or five rebounds per game during this extended run that he's been getting. Right, so, he's getting a ton of crash boards and, like, picking the, the backside of uh, a corner three knowing that it's going to come and playing way more aggressive on it. Yeah, but yeah and I think it'll good. be interesting to see if Zeke gets, you know, more regular minutes. Maybe it's also if he could get some run with at least a couple starters on the court. What does he look like? Because I think that's one of the hardest things to tell with young guys is a lot of times they only get in the game with the other, you know, end of the bench. And, the, you know, when we watch those, you know, garbage minutes, it's fun as fans because it's all potential, right, and upside, and you're hoping for the best. But it doesn't look like anything other – it doesn't look like any other part of the game. And literally, and for the Nuggets specifically, playing with Jokic is totally unique compared to playing with basically anybody else. So I would love to just see Zeke get a little bit of run with um, Jokic and see what he can bring to the table next to him because I think a sp- – you know, we this this isn't revolutionary. We all know it. A spacing big man next to Jokic that can also then protect the rim because Jokic can't is the exact guy that we need to play alongside mm-hmm. of him. And you know, Zeke has the size. He seems to have the athletic ability. Can he get there on a defensive end and then just you know be a knockdown shooter? That would be perfect um, for you know years uh, next to Jokic. So I'm excited about both guys without a doubt. I honestly, Hampton's way better than I thought he would be so far. I think he's, you know, come in, he's played hungry. He hasn't made a lot of mistakes. He's kind of been like the anti-Dozier. Dozier, 
I still have, feel you know like he can bring a lot, but Dozier wants to do a lot on the court. Hampton, he's happy to be out there, so he's doing all the hustle plays. He's crashing the boards. He's taking the open shot when it comes to him, but he's not forcing anything. So I think those two picks are great, and um, we'll see if they can get some more run if you know they can kind of develop over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting between those two guys. Um, it, you know, our two rookies, uh, we'll kind of see how the how the year progresses, but uh, it seems like they definitely long-term have uh, bright futures. So we'll, um, we'll save a conversation for next week um, where we go into further detail on uh, all of our young guys uh, and kind of see how the, the team is really feeling about them. Uh, but for a minute here, I, I want to uh, throw it to Andrew uh, to let him go rogue. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, almost went rogue in the middle of the last segment and then thought, you know what? I'll wait for the transition here. Um, so we missed an opportunity last season and the opportunity last season was to trade Bull Bull, um, cause he was looking like an all-star and you know, who is not in our rookie conversation? Bull Bull. Why? Because <laughs> he is not worth a lot right now. So who needs to get traded right now? There's no better value possibly in the league than Monte Morris, right? He's almost a starting caliber point guard. He's making, what, $9 million a year for the next three years. He's playing fantastic. And on most every other team, he would have incredible value. And on this team, I think he's replaceable, partially because RJ Hampton has played so well with the minutes that he's gotten. And again, my focus is always just on the playoffs, right? And so in just on the playoffs, Monte Morris is still a smaller guard, He's been in the playoffs quite a few times. He's solid, right? Like, we know he's very consistent. And to his credit, I've always criticized saying, we know where he's at. He's just not going to get that much better. And this year, he's finishing around the rim even better than I ever thought. So he's actually, like, exceeded what everyone else has said, which is that he's a model for consistency. But what better way and who better to train? He's been the second best player on the team. He's been the most consistent player and while that all feels nice, I'm not sure that translates to the playoffs. So if we want to actually make a run in the playoffs, why not trade someone who's got great value? That's a spicy take. That's spicy. There, it's, there's so many holes in it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me let me make the argument that we should trade the, I mean, the second second most productive nugget right now because they're the second most productive nugget right now. Because they have the highest value. Right, but uh, what do you, what sure, do you trade want for, for what? Him, though, like, yeah. Well, well let me like... first point out the obvious: we can't trade him right now um, <laughs> because we just signed him, and so there's a there's a lockout period before we can trade him. But let's put that aside. Whoa, 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 whoa! We don't need to bring rules into this, Michael. Contracts. Come on. You're just a conformist. <laughs> Look, it's there's sorry, there's Andrew. I interrupted you. What are we trading him for, Andrew? I don't even care. I just want value. Um, but honestly, <laughs> that's the wheel. Of I, I, what, what we really need is a three or four, right? Small forward or power forward that is a very good defender, right? Like one, we could have probably traded for Tory Craig for like a second rounder right now. He's getting almost like no minutes on Milwaukee. I think we miss him, but I'm thinking a better like two way player and maybe even packaging him because he's got such great value with a Harris or a Barton for a true elevated person at that position. Um, but I just think that like, he's one that is again, been very solid, but is he going to be a difference maker in any component in a playoff game? 
I think throughout the regular season, yes. In the playoff game when you're like 6'2 and skinny, like, I, mean, I don't know. It, it is it tougher. Should... Yeah, but it's at some point, like, if, if you move Monty, then that that's just it all in on Jamal. Uh for for everything which i we that's inescapable we anyway yeah but there is honestly no... it's all in on faku then yeah. right right well kind of Jokic operates like a point guard right like dozier can play barton will then be forced to get a little more point guard role which actually might work better for his kind of like skill set right now so i actually think we have plenty of pieces to replace him and that's kind of why like we have so many guards right now that we just need a little bit of addition by subtraction. And so because I think he is underpaid for what he's brought to this team, and honestly, like I said, been the second best player on the team, if we could utilize that as a chip for our future and really help impact the playoffs, then like, why would you not take it? To Michael's point, the reason why you would not take it is because it's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why it's such a great take. Well, Angie, you really did go rogue on that one because uh, with his uh, three-year extension that he signed uh, in the offseason, he is ineligible to be traded this year. So this is a next-year conversation, but interesting nonetheless. Um, (laughs) All right, so uh, next week, actually tonight, um, uh, before you hear this, uh, the Nuggets will um, be playing the Lakers at 8 o'clock on ESPN. How do we not talk we about should, this game at all? This is. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we should have talked about uh, this for a full hour. Bringing it up now. Well, we 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 definitely uh, talked about it last week in terms of the, the game against the Lakers. We're at home. I'm not sure that makes a big difference, but uh, at least our guys will be able to sleep in their own beds. They've uh, been at home. Uh, this will be a third game in our, our home stretch. Then we play uh, at Boston on Tuesday at five o'clock. At Washington on Wednesday at six o'clock. Uh, Friday. Charlotte at 5 p.m. Uh, and then Sunday at Atlanta at 5:30. So uh, as been keeping with the last two weeks, uh, the Nuggets are playing a game every two days or so. A um, couple of back-to-backs with the Boston and the Washington game. Uh, it's going to be a tough stretch for them. I mean, that uh, that with feels a like a two games. and three to me. I was just going to say I hope we go three and two. Three right. and two would be a win. <laughs> uh, Lakers are only Lakers are two point favorite, which I feel like is a gift tonight. The line I'm looking at is three and a half. Was three and a half? Okay, so it must have moved since you last looked at it. But um, so everybody agreed. <laughs> uh, nuggets are uh, three and a half point underdogs uh, over under two and uh, two seventeen and a half. Uh, I don't know if there's much value in this game. Honestly, I'm probably staying away because I, I don't know which Nuggets team is going to show up. Uh, it's been kind of, an, uh, as we noted the last two weeks, actually been about kind of up, down on the Nuggets. Uh, they could show up in the first half, blow out the second half. They could play well the whole game. I, I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm kind of staying away from that. How do you feel about just I took the over. going with... <laughs> what, what did you just say last, last time, Andrew? Like, whoever wins the first half is going to lose the game or or take the the other team in the second like if if the nuggets are up three at half i do not have high confidence in them winning if they're down six at half i have a more more reason to watch i think yeah well 
It'll be interesting to say the least. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, come on. <laughs> Uh, we've gotten to the end here. We've we've run a little long on this episode, but uh, I, I thought we had some good, uh, interesting conversation back and forth on this uh, tough road trip. Uh, we'll see if the Nuggets can at least be above 500 uh, at the end of this week before we uh, talk to you next week. Next week, I I want to talk about LeBron getting the warning for flopping and just open that whole can of worms for, for leaning into the foul call. <laughs> Go Nuggets. Go Nuggets. Go Nuggets. <laughs> All right. That was episode six of the Hard Pick Mining Company from your Denver Five. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Good job, guys. What's, what's going on? Okay, right. Playoffs come right. It's all up to Murray and PJ Jokic. Like, I like our core six. And everyone else in my mind is relatively irrelevant. Maybe you have one, like, you know, whoever's number seven on our team as the wild card. And number seven, I think, is Morris, right? So it's I, like, I think that's Morris, is, yeah. Is he interchangeable with a other number seven that could possibly go rogue, right? RJ Hampton. Um, Zeke is probably never going to be in the picture for that. But I can't, and Green, right? Like, Monte Morris and Green are seven and eight. So it's like, wait, I think they're six and seven. I, well, because you got Barton or Harris coming off the bench. I think you're so using the value of uh, bench in the playoffs. I'm very much diminishing the value of a bench in the playoffs. <laughs> well, but Correct. but so, somebody's got to fill in, you know, the uh, the you know five to ten minute gaps, right? That's fine. So and, out of and not 48 suck. minutes, you're valuing like the ten minutes right, over the forty. I see. All right, so I'm just saying that that if you have somebody like like Morris who can fill that gap for you know five to ten minutes or even less in, in the playoffs like that's worth his you know nine or ten million dollar contract and I'm just not sure that we're getting anyone else of value uh, I guess not knowing who we, we'd be getting Andrew is is what's holding me back from saying we should trade him because I'm just trying to think around the league like if you're just getting future assets I don't know that that helps us any better well, obviously not the short term. Would you trade Morris for a first round pick and PJ and Dozier? I'm sorry. Morris for a first round pick and Dozier. Yeah, I, I would Dozier? actually do that. Am I out? I would do that because Do Dozier Dozier is a guy who is decent right now, and I think we we all like kind of like the the guy, and he could potentially be a guy who's like your you know six or seven player, but he's got a lot of upside. He's a great you know defensive player can actually shoot the three um and then you have that sort of potential yeah sure so by trading morris you automatically start, start playing 